There is a being known as God. God is holy, which means he is set apart. God is perfect, which means there's nothing or no one like him. God is fully good, which means he is mercy, he is justice. There is no thing or no one like God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is a spaceless, timeless, matterless being. He created time. He created matter. He spoke everything that we see into existence. And God created humanity. Humanity is made in his image, and he made us in his image to rule this earth with him. He offered us richness of life because it was a life with God. And God is the source of all life. Everything was perfect. Everything was good. And God recognized that everything was perfect and everything was good. God told us that if we turned away from him, that we would die because nothing can live away from the perfection of God. Yet that is exactly what we chose. We were tempted by an enemy, an enemy that once lived in the heavenly realm. But the Bible tells us that he became prideful and tried to become like God himself. And so God casted him out of heaven along with his followers. And yet here on earth we were, tempted by the same temptation that the enemy faced. The enemy lied to us and he told us that we, we wouldn't die, but we would surely become like God. And in that, we fell to our own temptation. We fell into separation with God. And since God is fully mercy, which means he is fully justice, separation and sin cannot go unpunished. We miss the mark. We miss the mark of perfection. And that, my friends, begins the story of how God redeems his creation. So God offers a way for us to be reconciled to him in full. And the way to be reconciled to God in full is through sacrifice. Sacrifice is the death of one thing so that something else can have a new life. And you may ask, why do we need sacrifice? Why did there need to be blood to be shed? And the book of Leviticus in chapter 17, verse 11 tells us, For the life of flesh is in the blood. And God himself gives it to us on an altar to make atonement for our souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the life. So God begins to redeem humanity. And he makes a way so that we can be reconciled to him. He gives us a covenant he gives us a set of principles to live by, principles that say, do this and there will be life. Do this and there will be separation and death. So God is constantly seeking after humanity, yet humanity is constantly turning away. This process was messy. This process was really difficult. It was a process that required much sacrifice, but a process that would be much worth it. So God gives us what's called the law. Most people refer to the law as the Ten Commandments, but it's also a list of statutes and principles that we find in the Old Covenant. And as humanity does, we turn away constantly because we seek after the things to make us like God. We seek after comfort. We seek after happiness. We seek after momentary fulfillment 
rather than eternal fulfillment in God. So in this old covenant, documented as the Old Testament in the Bible, we see that God gives us the law, but we turn away from the law. And so God gives us priests to offer up sacrifices for these atonement to, to reconcile us to God, but even some priests become corrupted. And so we see that people come and say, known as the judges, they say, do what's right in your own eyes. And we see absolute destruction. And the end of Judges says, for they had no king. And so they did what was right in their own eyes. So we see that creation is longing for a king, longing for someone to come and live among us and to be with us, to reconcile us fully to God. And God promises us that with the prophets, And so God sends prophets to speak through humanity to tell us that a Messiah is coming and to tell us to repent and turn away and believe what God has done for us. All we have to do is believe and obey. And humanity ended up killing the prophets, the people who spoke on behalf of God. And throughout this entire story, the bloodline of this coming king is present, known as Jesus the Messiah, And if you go to the book of Matthew on the first page, you'll see the genealogy of Jesus. You'll see this person had this person. This person led to this person. And if you look back through the Old Testament, it leads perfectly to the bloodline of Jesus. And so what God wanted to do was rest with humanity. God wanted to rule the earth with humanity in the beginning of creation. And so in order to do that, we had to become reconciled through a sacrifice And when we made sacrifices in a building known as the temple, God's presence was there because God could dwell with humanity. And so in this temple were the outer courts where we made sacrifices and we worshiped. And we see in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant that David had a tabernacle of worship day and night. And he built a temple to host the presence of God day and night and worship God because we realize that God created us for worship and for relationship with him. So David made huge sacrifices on behalf of his sins and the sins of the people. And God honored these sacrifices and dwelt among us. So there was the outer court where people worshiped. There was the inner court where the priest resided. And then there was the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was literally in the building, inside the temple. And there was a priest, a great high priest, that was only allowed to go into this Holy of Holies once a year. And so we see in this story of humanity and the timeline of humanity that we are desperate for God. We are desperate to be reconciled to the perfection of who God is. And God cannot let sin go because since God is fully justice and he's fully mercy, He cannot let sin go unpunished. And so God's plan was to come down and put on human flesh. And this person is known as the Messiah, the king that people have been waiting for. And the prophet Jeremiah paints a picture of who this king is. Jeremiah 24 verse 5 says, The days are coming when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. And so we see that Jesus comes from the bloodline of David. This old covenant, this this timeline of humanity, God is sovereignly working in himself, Jesus, his son, his begotten son, to come and live among us on the earth and to reign as king. 
And so Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We believe that he was begotten and born of a virgin. And and the significance of Jesus being born in Bethlehem was because there were sacrificial lambs that were born and raised in Bethlehem. So we see that God is already introducing us to the atonement for our sins, for the perfect lamb that will be slain for us. So Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the awaited king, puts on flesh and dwells among his people. And we see at an early age, Jesus begins to teach in the temple. And then at 30 years old, he, he begins his ministry and he chooses disciples to walk among him and to begin to reshape how we view God. And so in the old covenant, it was our righteousness that saved us. It was our good works that saved us. But yet Jesus comes and tells us, Matthew chapter five, verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus is beginning to paint a picture and tell us that to be good on your own is impossible. And we see that in the old covenant. We see people constantly turning away from God and having to offer up sacrifices. But here Jesus is painting a new picture of what this new covenant looks like. And Jesus in Matthew 5, he says in verse 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. So Jesus is saying that he's the Messiah. He is the long-awaited king that everyone has been waiting for, not just for God's chosen people, the Israelites or the Jews, but for even the ones who aren't Jewish, for the Gentile. That's what the word Gentile means, people who are not of the Jewish faith. And so Jesus preaches in a way that makes people upset because rather than looking good on the outside, and doing good things to look good on the outside, Jesus points to our hearts. So for example, rather than saying, don't commit adultery, Jesus says, if you've looked at someone with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. And he reminds people of the old covenant saying, you've heard it said, do not murder or you'll be liable to judgment. But Jesus then again looks at the heart. He's saying, don't even hate your brother because then you'll be liable to judgment for hating your brother reconcile with your brother and make things right with him. So Jesus is beginning to tell humanity that nothing we can do on our own can save us from the wrath of God. But he's saying, put your trust in him, in him fully to pay for the sins of humanity. Jesus tells us that he is God. We see in the Old Testament, God says, I am. Jesus also says, I am. In John 8, verse 58, He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So before God even made the covenant with Abraham in the old covenant, Jesus was there. Jesus was present. And so this angered the religious leaders of the day. And they ended up plotting against Jesus and sentencing him to death. And so In the meantime, Jesus had a group of followers that he basically said, come, do life with me, serve with me, and I will show you what heaven on earth looks like. And so Jesus had a group of followers that followed him. They went city to city, preaching good news, teaching truth, healing the sick, opening the eyes of the blind. 
And in the meantime, the religious leaders hated that Jesus was doing this because the religious leaders were desperate for the Messiah. They were desperate for a king. And now that this king had come, they didn't believe who Jesus was, who he said he was. And so they put him to death. Jesus went through the most brutal death that anybody in that day could have went through. They flogged him. They beat him. The Bible tells us that he was unrecognizable to men. And after they had beaten him, after they had ripped the flesh off of his body, they put a cross on his back and made it carry him up to the hill of his execution. This was to embarrass the prisoner basically to put fear into the people saying, if you do crimes, this will happen to you. So Jesus had nails put through his hands or his wrists and he had nails put through his feet and he hung on a cross and he died. And friends, this is the atonement sacrifice that God has now provided. There needed to be blood to be shed because there's life in the blood. It needed to be an innocent lamb. It needed to be an innocent thing so that we could be reconciled to him. So rather than offering up a sacrifice on our own, God himself put on flesh and came down, dwelt among his people, taught us rules and statutes and sought after our hearts. And he himself died for humanity. In the beginning of time was perfection was heaven on earth. And since we failed over and over at reconciling ourselves to God, bringing heaven to earth, God himself came to earth and brought heaven to us. We crucified him. We flogged him. We spit on him. And we put him in a tomb and he was buried. He was dead. His disciples were in agony. People who thought he was the Messiah, the awaited king, now desperate to know who they really believed in. But three days later on the Jewish calendar, his tomb was empty. Jesus had come back from the dead. It was a miracle. It was the impossible that happened. But Jesus came back to life and he told his followers, his disciples, go and preach this message of reconciliation. For I came As the Son of God, God Himself, I came to reconcile you to the Father. So go and preach this good news. So Jesus breathed on His disciples and He gave them the Holy Spirit, who is also God. And you've heard it said, God in three persons, Blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so Jesus tells His followers to go to every country and share what he has done for humanity. And so these disciples went out and they baptized people as a symbol of saying, you are dead in your sins under the water, but you are raised to new life through Christ Jesus when you come out of the water. And so these disciples preached the message of reconciliation saying, don't live for a righteousness of your own. It has been paid for in full through God himself who died and who came back to life through the power of the Holy Spirit and who lives within us now. And we know that he lives within us because scripture tells us. Scripture was breathed by God. Scripture was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that we are now God's temple. Remember in the old covenant when we had to work 
and give sacrifices day after day after day just to be in the presence of God? Well, now the Bible tells us that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Repent from your own ways. Turn away from the way of becoming like God and pursuing happiness. Pursue the truth of what is found in Jesus Christ and you will find eternal life. And if you have faith and you believe, then the Bible tells us that you have the Holy Spirit living within you. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope and the glory of God. Not only that, but in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God is offering us the choice of eternal life. God has chosen us through his son Jesus, and yet God gives us the opportunity to choose him back. 1 John 4 verse 19 tells us, we love because he first loved us, meaning we love God because God first loved us. God chose humanity through his son Jesus, offering up a perfect sacrifice, offering his mercy, his grace, if we just believe in the miracle of his son, and we will have eternal life. And since we have this mediator, 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 and 6 says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. This is Christ Jesus, Christ the Messiah, the anointed one, Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, so that we may become the righteousness of God. In 2 Corinthians 5, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write, Jesus became sin, who knew no sin. He didn't know what sin was, but he took on the fullness of sin in the sacrifice that had to be made. He became sin, who didn't even know what sin was. Jesus was perfect. He was perfection. But yet, through that sacrifice, we became the righteousness of God. And now we have a mediator between God and man, which is Christ Jesus. And so you may ask, does that mean I can sin and do what I want? Does that mean I can continue to separate myself and pursue my own selfish desires and pursue what I want on this earth since Jesus has died and atoned for me? No. The Bible tells us, and I'll read from 1 John, everyone who makes a practice of sinning, also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God himself is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, meaning the mediator for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So this is challenging us 
to turn away from our sin daily. And we, we must not expect a perfect repentance. This is something that we must do each and every day because God is calling us to be holy as he is holy. But he's also telling us to preach the message of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that Christ died so that we may preach the message of reconciliation. Do you remember how God sent the prophets to preach the message of reconciliation to repent? Well, God is offering that to us right here and right now. God only could dwell in the temple when there were enough sacrifices to be made. But now, since Christ has died, God lives within us and we can preach the message of reconciliation. Another passage of scripture from 1 John says, And this is the testimony that gives us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And so the people who do not choose life, God honors that. C.S. Lewis says, If someone refuses to be healed by the great physician, meaning Jesus, God will honor that choice. But God will not allow hell and separation to continue to ruin his good world. God has offered us life and God has offered us mercy. And if we refuse that, God will honor that and say, depart from me for I never knew you. I made a reconciliation for you. I did everything in my power to reconcile you to me. I offer you a light burden, an easy burden, yet you chose the things of this world. So in that, we will experience the full wrath of God. There will be no more life and no more second chances for life. We will become separated from God for eternity. If you do not turn away from your sin, from your own selfish desires, repent and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of God is at hand. God's whole purpose in this was to design us for worship. We separated ourselves, but God reconciled us back to himself through his son, Jesus. And I would just like to end by encouraging you with some scripture. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So you today, believer or non-believer, I urge you, repent, turn away from your sin, trust in God, and find the mercy and eternal life that he offers. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to the 10-2 Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.